Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Every year, the St. Louis Theater Circle honors the region's best local professional theater. Its Theater Circle Awards are voted on by local critics. And this year, they'll announce those winners on March 30th. And today, they're announcing the finalists. You'll be able to read the complete list in just a few minutes on our website. That's stlpr.org slash stlonair. Again, stlpr.org slash stlonair. And joining us today to give us the highlights is Calvin Wilson. He's the theater critic for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Calvin, welcome to the show. Um, Thanks for having me. And we're also joined by Tina Farmer. She's the theater reviewer for KDHX. So, Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, Tina, before we dig into some of this year's highlights, give me an overview. Who all gets to vote on these? Sure. Well, the St. Louis Theater Circle is open to any critics who wish to join and who see at least 50 qualified productions per year. Seems like a lot, but there's so much theater going on in St. Louis. There were about 120 to 125 productions that qualified for consideration. So you got to so see a about half. Yeah, you have to see basically half. Um, The more you see, the more you can vote. Um, That's the other thing. So all people who qualify, all critics who qualify, and these are established critics who have either a following or a published blog or something, um, all who qualify then can put in up to five nominations for each category. Then we have a meeting after the initial nominations are tabulated. We always have a few ties. So we'll have a meeting where we hassle and wrangle and take a vote. And then once you get to that five nominees for each category, which is what we're going to announce today, um, then you have to have seen at least four of the five nominees to be able to vote in that category for the awards. Okay, so you're doing some quality control. People need to know what they're talking about in order to weigh in on this. Yeah, they need to have a certain amount of expertise, which in these days of the internet is sometimes hard to come by. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing your part here. And just to give people an idea, um, there's so much theater in this town. What do you have to do to be a theater company that qualifies? So for Theater Circle Awards, it needs to be a professional company. That's a company that pays their actors. Um, it does not necessarily need to be an equity company, but it does need to be professional. So this primary creative staff and performers are all paid. Okay. Now you guys have 31 different categories and I noticed like a full 15 of them are for acting. So this is not as simple as best actress, best actor. How do you kind of break these things down into these broader categories? Well, sometimes we wrestle about it in our meetings. <laughs> no, actually there there are a variety of um, honored within either the Tony Awards, the Oscar Awards. We look to the major awards to try and determine um, what our best categories should be. But recently, for example, we added two categories for opera. Hmm. Um, One is just the outstanding opera, which opera, the critics who attend opera like best. But the other one is an outstanding, you know, achievement in opera. So it could be somebody who wrote a new opera is one of our nominees this year. Or it could be a director or a music conductor or a performance. What's driven by that being added? Is it because we now have a a number of different 
different opera companies in town. You're responding yes, to that. Yes, absolutely. We 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 have three longtime professional opera companies and a couple new opera companies sprouting up. So I know each of these awards are important in their own way, but I'm wondering, Calvin, uh, what do you what would you consider the most prestigious um, awards in this roster? Well, I would consider the acting awards to be the most prestigious. You know the Best actor in a comedy, best actor in a drama. Um, getting back to your earlier point about how we categorize things, sometimes it's hard to tell if something is a comedy or a drama, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of you know talk about where it landed. So that was that that has come up more and more as an issue because more and more plays are sort of straddling that line. I feel like being a fly on the wall for this meeting where you guys hash these things <laughs> out. This might be some pretty interesting drama. It can get pretty heated, I'm not going to lie, but I, as I say to everyone, I'm paid to have an opinion. So every one of us who are on that committee, you know, every member of the theater circle, our job is to have an opinion. So it can get a little heated. And obviously, if you're seeing 50 shows a year, you're going to be passionate about what works and and what doesn't work. I want to highlight three shows that are really leading the way in this year's nominations. There were three different productions that tied with nine nominations each. Uh, That's Brighton Beach Memoirs at the New Jewish Theater, Kinky Boots at the Muni, and Stages St. Louis, Man of La Mancha. I'm wondering, um, what made these productions um, such big honorees this year? I assume you guys got to see these. Well, Brighton Beach Memoirs just um, went to show how underrated a playwright Neil Simon was. You know, for most of his career, people thought he was just a jokester. Um, it wasn't until his late career when he started writing plays like uh, his semi-autobiographical trilogy that Brighton uh, Beach Memoirs started off that they realized that all alone there was a lot more going on in this guy's work than just, you know, uh, clowning around. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy, but it really has some poignancy to it. Yeah. It does, and it offers... The script and the dialogue is so beautiful. It offers actors a chance to really shine. And I know that we have at least three performance acting nominations to Brighton Beach Memoirs because really it just, it's so beautiful. And when you get an actor with a director and they really understand and internalize that show, you can't help but feel empathy or, you know, surprise. So that kind of helped them run up the total, the fact that there's such juicy parts in there. And it sounds like the actors at at the New Jewish Theater nailed it. Right. It was such uh, just top to bottom. What about Kinky Boots? I really have to give the Muni credit for um, doing Kinky Boots because it's a little edgier than what you're used to seeing there. They're challenging their audience there. And I must confess that I got some negative responses from some readers about um, kinky boots that they thought it was too raunchy mm. and they they had worse comments than that but I'm not going to address those so they'd seen the show and they did not like it you as a critic you had a different take I was very glad that that the Muni did it because um, you know it's a yeah it's a family uh, institution but uh, if you talk to the average kid today I think the average kid is 
uh, prepared to deal with a lot more than what used to be called family entertainment. They're maybe not quite as easily offended as some post-dispatch readers. Right. It's true, but also I encourage those readers to go back and look at what the point of the show is, because part of what makes this show so successful and so entertaining is that it's empowering. It's about pursuing your dreams. It's about believing in yourself. And it's about having the gumption to go out and find a solution to a problem. In this case, the young man whose family business was about to to go under hmm. if he didn't find a new customer client base. And I think that all of those messages really help make Kinky Boots. And you've got the music of Cindy Lauper, and you know, she's so good with catchy songs. You've got a lot of flash. There's a lot of technical aspects. Yeah. And it's also a bit for, for tolerance, for, feeding, for treating people as human beings, not as stereotypes. Mm-hmm. What about Man of La Mancha? This one is such an old chestnut, and, and we might all kind of roll our eyes at just, you know, the impossible dream has turned into elevator music a little yes. bit because it was just too popular in the 60s. W- what did Stages St. Louis do with this play that, um, that had the critics raving? Well, I thought performance was everything. As you say, it is an old chestnut, and when you are in a situation like that, what you have to do is... Um, find a way to refresh it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the um, actors that took this on really were, you know, approaching it as as if it was something brand new rather than something that had been done to death. And that made all the difference. So they didn't try to do anything bizarre, like set it in a a completely different place? No, no. They just took it on in a way that, that felt vibrant. And intimate. I think that's one of the reasons why Man of La Manta succeeded so well at stages, where it might not at a big place like the Fox or the Muni, because their small, intimate theater really helped you to get drawn into the story. You also named one of the categories I'm uh, most interested in is outstanding new play. This is the opposite of the old chestnut. These are people who are, are writing things we're seeing in St. Louis um, as, as their premiere. Tell us a little bit about who the uh, nominees are in that category. Well, sure. One thing that I think is really exciting, and I'm just going to mention on top of it, is we have five shows from five different companies. So I love new theater And for me, it's really exciting to see shows from companies as big as the Black Rep or or the Repertory Theater of St. Louis um, going and producing new works. Um, We've got two, actually, from Repertory Theater of St. Louis. I made a slight mistake. So we have four companies with five new plays. Um, Feeding Beatrice was just amazing. really great gothic horror story with a modern contemporary twist. Um, It's a Wonderful Life took a classic movie that everybody's heard of, but maybe not everybody knows, and it condensed it into a radio play format with some really inventive old-school live sound creation, Uh, really good family entertainment. We actually had them on the show doing some of that sound over the airwaves, and it it was very unique and, and so fun. I thought Canfield Drive was a standout because it told you a lot of things about the, you know, everybody thinks they know enough or maybe too much about the Michael Brown incident, but Canfield Drive took a documentary approach to it and was really uh, enlightening in terms of the kinds of information it gave people about that situation. And that was mounted by the black rap here. Right. Um, and then two other plays on this outstanding new playlist, A Model for Matisse, that's at the Midnight Company, and Nonsense and Beauty at the Repertory Theater. 
Wow, two very different shows, but I think what connects them is the idea of um, relationships and relationship building. A Model for Matisse is a really interesting story about late, well, actually it spans a long period of Matisse life, but one of his most um, beloved muses and models who later in her life became a nun. And they worked together to build a chapel that he designed. Oh, what an um, interesting. And she, he worked from sketches that she had made. It, it's just something about, like, a loving relationship that isn't a stereotypical uh, romance. Hmm. Well, that's some, some really interesting winners or interesting nominees in that category. We'll get an interesting winner out of it, I'm sure. One other thing I wanted to ask you about um, before we um, unveil this list of nominees on our website here, and that is I saw noted local illustrator Mary Enkelbright is a finalist this year. How did she end up uh, making the cut? Well, she was the inspiration for the design of Matilda. And that's at the Muni. And that was at the Muni, and it was a really engaging show. And, you know, her work and her style was the inspiration visually on which the show evolved. And it was, I mean, it was like walking into her world when you saw that show. I don't mean it in a bad way, but I think in some ways her design actually upstaged the show. (laughs) You know, I kept waiting for the little girl to, you know, my bad for not knowing the story, but I kept waiting for the little girl to do something magical. And it was like the half last half hour or maybe even 15 minutes before she even did anything. So I go in expecting Bewitched or something. And uh, you it's basically mostly just doll. about this kid. <laughs> yeah. But you, lo- you liked the stage set. Oh, the design was great. So she's probably the most famous person on this year's list. But I know you've had um, other well-known people in the past. I'm just wondering, have you ever seen any winners use winning a St. Louis Theater Circle Award um, as a springboard to doing something uh, really big? I wouldn't say necessarily. Well, Let's put it like this. Um, I think it, with any company, it's all about, uh, or a large part of it is about, can you get funded? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you go to funders and you have won some of these awards, that definitely is in your favor. So this can be a boost for these yes. companies. Absolutely, yes. for the companies. And I do think it does help actors, actors who are heading out to New York and they're looking to get representation. Sure, it's not as big as saying, oh, a Tony or something, of course, but it can be a springboard to help them get, you know, their foot in the door a little quicker. I I know that past nominees, uh, this year's nominee, Luke Steingruby, who's nominated for, nominated for her, his performance in Hedwig and the Angry Itch, Inch from the Q Collective, which is one of two new companies making their debut in the Circle Awards. He just recently moved to New York, and that that will be something he will feature on his resume when he's talking to his agents because it does help people. Oh, well, if somebody thought to give them a ward. On the other hand, we have the resources and the imagination here in St. Louis to have a, a um, theater scene as big as Chicago's. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of people putting the money, the time, and the energy into it to make that happen. And so hopefully this will be a good encouragement for people to go out and see a show next year, catch a future winner. So that um, the complete list of nominees, it's going up on our website. I suspect even as I speak, that's stlpr.org slash STL on air. And they'll be able to see all the wonderful nominees we've talked about today. So Calvin Wilson, uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch Theater Critic, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a blast. And Tina Farmer of KDHX, thank you for being here. Thank you, and go see a play. 
This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.